It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, everybody, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate Podcast. Uh, Damien, you won't have Paddy today, it's just me, So, but hopefully I'll still be able to brighten up your Friday um, with a little Ren preview. I wanted to come on and I wanted to chat about Ren because they're a really interesting team, and I think, <clears throat> I think, to be really honest with you, that they are going to be our most formidable challenge over the uh, the preseason, and a great challenge to have coming into the um coming into the new season. Yeah, we've just played Manchester United. I think the Manchester United, the two forty fives, the two different teams they played, um were, and the cut of the 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 grass and the pitch and stuff like that. I think that's a nutting game. And I think that uh that the club are just lucky that they came out without any injuries and it was just more minutes and legs and obviously the adaptation that Stephen Jarrett talks a little bit uh, talks an awful lot about the fact that he wants these players to be able to adapt in the moment. That's what we're going to talk about in the moment as well because he gave a really good interview, I think, to AVTV today. If you haven't seen it, it's on AVTV. It's about 10 and a half minutes long, so you can tune into it after this. But uh, and we're going to start off by, ta- by talking about that uh, before we get on to Ren. But I think Ren are going to be a really, really interesting proposition when uh, Villa do visit them on Saturday at 5 p.m. Uh so uh, just to let you guys know as well, we will be doing a team sheet tantrum at 3.50 on Saturday. So that's 10 minutes before the team is announced. Uh, so it'll be 3.50. And then we will be doing a post-game show at 6.55, provided that there isn't massive overruns. So almost directly after the game, we will be doing a post-match as well. And uh, I'm really in the mood for the new season to get started, and I'm really excited. So the more content we can get, the better for you guys and I hope you guys are enjoying it as well so let's just let's talk a little bit about Stephen Gerrard's press conference if you want to call it or interview with AVTV um I think there was a lot of pieces that, that a lot of things that he said in it that really resonated with me and he kept on talking about adapti- adaptability when he was talking about the the trip down under a trip to to Australia 
He mentioned, obviously, the pitches weren't the best, but they had to adapt to it. He mentioned that Townsville was a different experience and he wanted to take players out of their comfort zones of being in uh, Brisbane and then being in Perth. He said he'd been in Sydney and, and, and places like in Melbourne before and he wanted to take them out of their comfort zone to a place like Townsville uh, it wasn't as populous and to see how the players reacted. And he said it was really good from a team building point of view. Um, certain things didn't go their way on, on the trip. He didn't elaborate what they were. I presume that means, you know, weather-wise and things like that. But he said that the whole team had to figure that out together. And that was a really interesting thing that he said. So he's very much about challenging the players, which I would expect no less of Steven Gerrard. I think that if I was Steven Gerrard's son or daughter, and I was, and I went to him and I said, uh, Dad, help me out with my maths homework. I think he'd challenge me. He wouldn't give me the answer. He wouldn't show me the answer. He'd make me come up with the answer. You know, he comes across as that kind of guy. I'd say he's a hard taskmaster, um, but he's hard in a way whereby um, he's almost, uh, like, like a lot of managers don't have this, uh, how am I going to put it? To it's it's almost like there has to be a goal out of everything you do, and he comes across as being that driven kind of person where he wouldn't give anything anybody for uh, give anything to anybody for free. And I think that the same thing goes when you when you listen to him talk and when you listen to him speak about what he expects of his players and what he expects of them on the, on the training field and outside the training field and so on. So I get I, I get that kind of feeling from him. Comment in the comments below if you if you get a different feeling from him. But I think he did speak as well in this interview about how he had to make some difficult decisions and, and he, he's getting his feet under the table. And uh, he's spoken awful lot about the different kind of mindsets that he had to have and how to be respectful of the dynamic of the team when he went on to speak about captaincy and uh, when he did speak about the captaincy he said look that eight months ago when he came in the remit was to guide people away from um, uh, had to guide people away from the, the from the relegation zone sorry I got distracted there had to guide people away from the relegation zone first and to come in and to start having an open almost audition or trial for a new captain then wouldn't have been beneficial to team dynamic. Makes 100% sense. Everybody would agree that that makes 1 million percent sense. He did say quite early on, though, that the captaincy would be something he would review over time. And obviously he has done and he has had, um, he has insta installed uh, John McGinn as captain. Um, he went on then to speak about why he's installed John McGinn as captain. And I was really interested in this, not from the point of view of that literally what, almost 100% of what myself and 100% uh, of uh, of uh, what myself and Paddy's, Paddy's uh, opinions were regards to why certain players were picked. He almost said word for word, but it was interesting to see that he spoke about, like we did as well, he spoke about the leadership group. I think it was always going to be leadership group when he named the three players that he named. And then he actually sprung a surprise and named the fourth player that I might have missed in the in the um, the comms that came out from the club. But Diego Carlos wasn't mentioned anywhere in that comms. I could be wrong. I could be blind. I could be, I might have missed it. But Diego Carlos was something, it was a new nugget of information that he's like a second vice captain uh, within the team. So um that is something that, that is true that is new to light and i think that it kind of gives us a real insight as to he's looking for big dominant players to be the the backups you, you couldn't have diego carlos as captain right now 
he doesn't speak the language. It's arguable that John McGinn speaks the language. I heard I saw somebody say that on Twitter recently. It's arguable that John McGinn speaks the language, but still, he's a better grasp of it than uh, than Diego Carlos. But there, he did mention. He said, "Listen, look, nobody's nobody's place is guaranteed." Whether that's a reaction to social media, whether that's a reaction to whatever, but I think it was a sincere piece when he said that nobody's place is guaranteed. And if you think that Steven Gerrard is a rollover, tickle your belly type guy, you probably haven't watched him play football or you haven't watched him in an interview or anything like that. And yes, he could be faking it, but you know, he's done nothing to convince me that he that he has massive favorites from the point of view of people are absolutely one million percent undroppable regardless of form and he more or less said that within the within the interview as well which i thought was was really good to hear um a couple of guys are saying there that uh within townsville that, that jared had cockroaches in his room poor i i, I didn't think a poor old cockroach would have scared stephen gerard that's what your shoes are for isn't it it would be worse if it was a huntsman spider grow up here stephen oh i'm after losing my monitor there it is it's back again um <laughs> but it was, uh, it's, it's, it, it, I, I think it's an interesting one, I suppose, really, that he's brought in, um, somebody like Diego Carlos and immediately brought him on the, on the leadership team. He also went on and he said exactly what we said about Tyrone Mings. He said that Tyrone Mings is, there's been a lot spoken about him, there's been a big spotlight on him, um, being an English international. Uh, he mentioned that there was spotlights, uh, there was a spotlight on him prior to when he joined the club. That was something that was kind of left out there. If I was in the room, I would have asked him to clarify that. What was the reason there? It kind of sounded like a really kind of odd comment to me. He said, there was a big spotlight on him prior to me coming to the club. And I was kind of going, hmm, elaborate on that now, please, if you wouldn't mind. But because uh, it just it just seemed like it was, I don't think, I think it was more than a throwaway comment. But anyway, I don't know what the reason for it was. Probably something to do with the Euros, I don't know. But anyway, um, he said that he just basically took him out of the spotlight. That's what it's for. And, and he said that Tyrone Mings has, uh, he's, uh, and I loved what he said here as well, because it shows how much of a hard taskmaster he is, that he said the early signs, the early reactions that Tyrone Mings has had have been absolutely fantastic and unbelievably professional. And I loved the way he said that. It was kind of a case of, yeah, Tyrone, it's all well and good putting out the putting out the Twitter post. But if you start acting the maggot and start, to, you know, if anything changes from here on in, I'm going to come down you like a ton of bricks. Look, I'm not saying in those exact words, but it was kind of interesting the way he said the early um, indications are that he is uh, he's taking this one on the chin. And then he went into his own um, preamble about how he took over from uh, from Sammy Hoopia as well. So all in all, I thought it was a really interesting interview. I thought uh, I thought he came across as uh, I thought he came across as somebody who is beginning. He's like he's like he's, he came across as somebody who's kind of getting into that. That kind of war mentality for the for the season. Uh, it might sound stupid, it might sound hyperbolic or whatever, but he came across as this guy who's kind of going, right, I'm gonna start finding reasons for fire in my belly for this for the season. Or right, uh, and now is the time for me to bring what I'm famous for, you know, his determination and everything like that, and 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 his his, his leadership qualities. And uh, he really looked like he was gearing himself up from the mentality side of things for for the season as well within that interview. So I I, I liked it all and all, all, all I liked it. And um, there was a a comment there as well from somebody who did say it, who did say Philidi. Yeah, Philidi said I read that. I think I read that Critchley wasn't on the tour of Australia. Not ideal of truth. No, Critchley didn't go. Critchley wasn't. As far as I'm aware, Critchley wasn't supposed to go to to Australia, and he stayed at home with the. With the the and kind of ran all the games that the under twenty threes and stuff like that were playing and the likes of Amor Gazi and Chikomeka. 
running all those. He, he ran all those um, back and body more. Um, as far as I'm aware, and and from what I've seen and what I've heard, Critchley was never supposed to go because um, because they needed somebody back at base. If if that makes makes sense, um, because a lot of the plans were put in place prior to him coming to the club as well. Um, right. So, uh, bu- 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 rain. Let's take a little, little, little a look at Ren. I, I say there at the start that Ren are going to be the the hardest proposition I think that we'll have for a lot of reasons. Ren are, are were I'm not going to say they were a surprise package, but I think that they finished higher than people would have thought they would have finished in the league and in, in league on last season. Finished fourth, and for a lot of the season they were up and third, and they were pushing, they were pushing, they were pushing. Um, they were, uh, and just as I go to try, I was trying to bring up the the league table there because I couldn't remember how many goals they scored. I think they scored eighty two goals last season, so that's gonna that that'll tell you the prowess that they had in front of in front of goal. They are managed by a really interesting character called uh, Bruno Genesio. Is that how you pronounce it? Genesio, I think it is. Yeah, they scored eighty two goals last season. They had a positive plus forty two goal difference, and they were only three points off Monaco. In the in third place now they finished uh, like Monaco Marseille and and, and Paris Saint Germain were uh, were the head of the table there but they were only three points off getting into Champions League um last season but uh, they did score an awful lot of goals they were kind of like ourselves they either won or they lost they only drew six games last season they lost twelve they won twenty so they were very similar to us in that aspect whereby they they either only won or they lost really which which was interesting but um I think I I I I think this. The, the biggest kind of, how will I put it, the biggest kind of uh, plus point for Ren last season was the way that they that they attacked because, as I said, 82 goals that they scored last season um, was was quite impressive. Their attacking shape, they kind of do, they kind of play between two very set formations. They play your traditional 4-4-2 or at times they play 4-1-4-1 as well. And uh, they were 35, 37% of the time last season they were in a 4-4-2 and then whatever, whatever, uh, I think was her 28% they were in a 4-1-4-1 and then there was obviously other formations they played in transitions for the rest of the time 4-3-3 I think was another one they had about 12% of the time in 4-3-3 so we're not going to get bogged down in that but essentially what they, what we're going to expect for them is they're going to play an awful lot of ball through um through San Martina um it, they're going to play a lot of ball through him in the middle of the field he's actually a really nice player um and he's he's somebody that you know, Baptiste Santa Maria. Sorry, he's uh, somebody who's about twenty-seven years of age. He's he's somebody that was linked with Premier League clubs. I think he was linked with could have been linked with someone like Palace. He was linked with with Fulham. He's been linked with making a move to the Premier League. But he's one of those real kind of metronome players. Those uh, players who get into the middle of midfield. And he's played at a lot of clubs. In uh, he played played in, in Rennes, I say, since twenty twenty one. And he played in um in the Bundesliga for Freiburg prior to that. But uh, nice little player. He's somebody that you're going you're going to see an awful lot on the ball over the course of the um. Over, over the course of the game. A lot of the ball does go through him. They have a couple of speed merchants up front with, with the likes of Jeremy Doku. Uh, people who've uh, p- people will see him. He's going to be out in the wing. They do play very, very expansive. They do play very wide. And when the ball comes back to their goalkeeper, their goalkeeper, um, wh- when he picks up that ball, he is going to... Alfred Gomez is his name. He's a Senegalese goalkeeper. You're going to see everybody just pull to the side. It's a real... It's almost an interest... It, it, how am I going to put it? They pull to the side, and we're going to see that Ollie Watkins and 
let's just say it's Ollie Watkins and it is Danny Ings the start up front. I personally don't think it's going to be that. We will go into what I think it will be in a moment. But we will see that they might be stuck in the middle on their own, kind of looking for someone to pick up or trying to trying to block space. But the guy, the fullbacks will be so far wide and the centre halves will go so far wide as well. They, uh, it looks really weird. It gives an opportunity then for the centre halves to, or for the two centre forwards to try and take up the centre halves and midfield to come back. And that's where Baptiste sent uh, uh, Baptiste Santa Maria comes in. He comes straight through and he really plays that pivot position really, really well. So the centre halves pull wide, the full backs go a small bit further forward, and uh, and they go re- like it becomes a really expansive look when they're when they're building up, um, specifically from the back. Um, they have a guy up front as well called Martin Terrier. I'm going to call him Terrier just because I think it's funny, but obviously he's going to be pronounced Terrier, I presume, um, considering he's French. But he's somebody that Liverpool were looking at. He's 25 years of age. Uh, I know a lot of big teams were looking at him. Liverpool were looking at him. Um, I think Arsenal were looking at him. There was a couple of teams in, in Serie A were looking at him as well. Six foot, kind of plays as a kind of a false nine, uh, second striker type guy. Um, he's going to be somebody that the, a lot of ball is going to go through for him. Go, go through him, should I say. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he might have been their top scorer last season. He's uh, He's got quite a few goals anyway last season. I'm just trying to take, yeah, check. Yeah, 21 goals in 46 appearances across all competitions last season. Previously played with Leon, And uh, since he moved to Rennes for 12 million, he's been uh, pretty much a revelation for them. He's been fantastic. Um, So he's somebody that we're going to look out for as well. Uh, Gaetan Laborde and Serhu Gurassi are going to be people that you're going to want to look out for as well because they're going to drop between the two lines. They're going to they're going to come. Uh, so so when Ren play, they're they're going to they're going to be people who are going to pick up the ball an awful lot midfield as well, and then you're going to look for overloads. Uh, then on the out, outside with the two full backs are going to are going to run. They're, those guys will be coming back into midfield. So what they try and do is they're very much a team that tries tries to isolate an overload on one side of the field, get overlaps going. And what they like to have is at times they like to attack with massive numbers. Uh, so it looks like they're attacking with massive numbers, but they've got people who you might think might be strike might be um more forward looking players are filtering back and then their full backs and their and their wingers are flying forward and what they like to do then is get those overlaps going get the ball in behind and then you just see a complete another turn of uh of, of positioning from their strikers as well so that's why they like to play with people like Doku, people like um like terrier up front and uh uh up top is because they have the pace and that they have this uh they have the engine to be able to do this Back to front and front to back type type of movement uh, when they are trying to isolate isolate people and create a higher line and pull people out the field as well. So it's something that that, that Ren are going to like to do. Um, they're a nice team. They're a really nice team. You're going to see tons and tons of width. Um, you're going to see them as I say. Their base their base formations are a four four two or four one four one. And when they attack as well, you will see that they will drop into a four a three three two five. Um, at times, because as I say, they're all about width and, and kind of overloading that midfield with people filtering back in there. But uh, they do attack in the traditional four four two as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they how, how they um, how they how they shape up against uh, Aston Villa. They've actually just been in the news today as well. They've signed two new players and they signed two new centre halves. I would imagine both of them won't see any game time at the weekend. But Joe Radon from um, Spurs has moved on loan with a view to a permanent move to Rennes and they've also signed the centre half from Bologna as well Tete I think his name is um, I can't, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name but two um, new centre halves have come in for, for Rennes um, over the course of the last few days as well um, pretty decent at set pieces 
Um, and we're going to see tons and tons of movement. Their set pieces, I think, are going to be really interesting for somebody like Aston McPhee. They overload in the middle like we do as well. And then it's all about movement. So if you see some kind of weird and wonderful setups for our set pieces that maybe don't go to plan, you might see exactly the same with, with Rain. They like to be very, very um, creative on set pieces. And they like to kind of, as I say, filter all the bodies, all the big bodies into one area and then break with movement and try and get around crowding the six-hour box. Um, specifically, they like to do that. And then they like to maybe line their players up on the penalty spot in one big group and then break from there. So uh, very, very disciplined in the, in the uh, set piece. But as we know ourselves, you can be as disciplined as you want. If the corner taker, if the corner kick taker doesn't get its smack on the money, well, then sometimes it can look a small a bit silly, but uh, it's something that they, they do focus on. And there's tons of movement in the box. So don't be surprised if we see referees blowing it up to have words with people um, during corners from both sides, as I think there's going to be uh, some scuffles at corners at the weekend, uh, for sure. Um yeah, so that's what we're going to see from Rain, I think, at the weekend, which is which is uh, going to be interesting. I think they're going to be a different type of team and a team that we that we will will kind of learn a lot from ourselves and how we defend and how we try and get at them as well. Um, when we are uh, when we're in full flow in the Premier League next season, and I see this comment as well, Bruno Genesio. Yeah, absolutely, he was the guy Remy Gard wanted to bring to the club with him, and uh, if memory doesn't. Uh, let me down I'm almost certainly ended up at Leon at that time and uh, he was at Leon and no actually I think he ended up at Leon I think that's who he went to at that stage but anyway he does have a very he, he spent a long time at Leon after that I think he was there in 2019 so um, yeah somebody who's got an awful lot of um, of experience in the bank let's take a little look here at the at some of your comments um, there Let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, yeah, there's Mark Brennigan saying, according to Ashley, Pierce, uh, Ashley Priest, Jared issues cockroaches in, cockroaches in his room in Townsville. I wasn't too happy. Um, uh, True Magpie says, uh, shrewd move by Stephen Jared to unburden Mings from captaincy duty. Should Mings go through bad patch of form, then it's le far less an issue to have him out of the team. I agree, so I agree 100%. Karpal Singh says that Diego will be a beast for us. I absolutely think so. I think he's got that nastiness that we said when he signed that the club needs. Um, Sai says, hopefully the captaincy uh, plus having Kamara behind him turns beginning to beginning. Esther, yeah, I, I, I'm not one of the people who thinks that McGinn is I, I, I would still have him in, in my midfield. Like We don't have many better players than him in midfield at the moment, so until we do get better players, um, McGinn, st McGinn starts in my midfield. Like he's, he's a better player than Douglas Luiz. He's a better player than Sanson. He's a better player than... I've got to say it. He's better at his job than Jacob Ramsey at this moment in time. So like, why, why do you drop players when you don't have better players in... in, in um, instead so I, I i agree with you and it's all i think uh, what i mean by this side is that i mean that it's all about him pushing on now and i 100 agree with you in that point absolutely 100 agree um jared said he's not finished in the transfer market yes ibrahim sangari i've an ibrahim sangari video done for the last bloody six six or seven weeks i must release it just because i haven't done anything like that in a while and uh I'm itchy for stuff like that but um he would be an absolute banger of a signing um, should we get him, but there's a lot of noses sniffing at that draft at the moment, so we will see. Um, 
Uh, Villa Bloke1970 says, apparently refs are going to be harsher this season. Just hope Carlos doesn't get targeted. The guy looks a beast up the Villa. Well, if they do start targeting people like Carlos, then I would imagine people like Ben Mee. I would imagine people like um, Michael Keane. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of centre halves out there that are a bit chesty, if that makes sense, and handsy and uh, and and stuff like that. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I don't think it would just be Diego Carlos, but as you say, he's coming from a, he's also coming from another league where he probably looked like a right hard man, given that uh, some of the some of the um, the flat merchants that play in uh, play in La Liga out there now, not that the Premier League is any better, but um, you know, we'll see uh, we'll see if he's reputation precedes him when referees start uh, start pinging him or if they start pinging him over the course of the season for sure um, Sniff Rat you encountered a Huntsman Spider last week creepy yeah, well better you than me um, I would be cowering in the corner if there was a Huntsman anywhere near me uh, yeah not not a, not a fan of uh, any arachnids and uh, not me not at all well I, I'm, I'm not too bad as long as I can kill him I'm definitely not one of these people that, oh, put the jar over him and bring him out and release him outside. There's millions more of them than there are us. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm okay with arachnoside every so often or pretty much every time I see them. So um, I hope I don't lose too many followers for that. Uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely I'm, I'm in contravention of the Cruelty to the Spiders Act if there is one out there, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, Rob Henry says, I think the captain and vice captain appointments are more about giving players a lift rather than anything negative for Tyrone Mings. Tyrone Mings has had the role for a long time. Absolutely. And he did mention that it was a leadership group and he could only give, uh, Stephen Gerrard said he mentioned there was a leadership group. He could only give titles to so many people. Um, so I think that Tyrone Mings is definitely in that leadership group for sure. And uh, as I said, they just switched around the titles to new people. Um where are we? Anything else? Ah, uh, oh, Kahua says the Critchley didn't go due to a passport issue. Well, that makes sense. Makes sense. But I, I, I don't think it's a massive issue either way. Um, it would have been great to have him down there. But uh, I think a lot of the game planning and stuff like that was being done anyway prior to his appointment. Yes, he will have input into it. But uh, you'll have two or three weeks anyway, you know, prior or two weeks, should I say, prior to, um, prior to the season starting. To, to fine-tune anything that he sees there as well. And I'm sure there was video call after video call after conference. I'm sure he was in all the meetings via some sort of telecommunication. So, um, you know, the distance, the only thing for me would be um, that, and even, and even not being at the sessions, I would imagine that a lot of the sessions were probably recorded so they could look back at the majority of any of, any of the things they're implementing. So... I've no doubt that Neil Critchley was able to do his homework on all the players as as time went on and offer his input as well. Uh, thank God for the internet. You know, it's not it makes things an awful lot easier um, with regards to communication. Um, ba -ba 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 so I'm go I'm just going to pack the comments there for a moment with regards to the game. This game at the weekend, I know a lot of people are are expecting our lineup to be the lineup that goes out against Bournemouth. And I'd love to have Paddy on at the moment because I, my question to him would be why 
does this lineup have to be the lineup that goes out against Bournemouth? I'm not sure. I think I'm at the stage whereby I don't think it really matters. Um, I don't think it really matters if this team gets 45 minutes, if the lineup gets 45 minutes or 60 minutes together before Bournemouth. Um, I think there's a lot made of it from a chemistry point of view. But when I look at this team, we're going to probably be playing with only two new players. One of them is the centre half. And granted, I think that the centre half partnership that starts this will be the centre partnership that starts against, uh, against Bournemouth. But I think there's changes you can make in the first 11 because I think I think it's more about individual partnerships as opposed to the full 11 playing together. And what I mean by that is that it's like like the team has played together all for the last year. So I don't think that the chemistry is as big a deal as, as it would have been if we brought in five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine new players this season. So while we might start 10 or nine, of the team that we want to start against uh, against Bournemouth, I wouldn't get too bogged down if there's somebody, like let's just say he starts and then we bring Diaz on the bench. Or sorry, starts and Philip continues on the bench. All things are, are, are unlikely. It's unlikely he continues on the bench. Or Bailey's on the bench or someone like that. I don't think that precludes him from, st- from playing different players against Bournemouth. So I'm going to put that out there and I'm going to say it again in the team sheet tantrum tomorrow that, you know, I won't be trying to read the tea leaves in, the, in this team it could very well be the first 11, but I'm not going to be having panic attacks if there's somebody in there that I feel shouldn't be in there tomorrow. And I think that that's a sensible way to to, to look at it because I think that the team is, is used to playing with each other. It's been a pretty settled team over the last two or three years. You know, it's been a pretty settled team um, since our second league year in the in, in the league. Yes, Danny Ings, like Danny Ings and Watkins probably need to play together, but I don't think he's going to play two strikers. Um, so... Yeah, that's my that's my two cents on it. I think that Mings and could and uh, and Carlos will be the centre half partnership. I won't believe like I've no problem with any other partnership, but I'll believe it when I see it if Chambers starts day one. Is what I'll say because I think that Tyrone Mings just has a lot of goodwill built up in the bank, and I think that he I think that uh, and and everyone here might say, oh, but you're dropping because he's because he makes mistakes, lads. He's got a massive sample set and, and he's a lot closer to getting on that plane to Qatar than Callum Chambers. I'm not saying that Callum Chambers is bad, but I think that uh, for me, if I was the captain, I'd like to strip someone of the captaincy and drop them all in one move. I don't know how that goes down with anybody at the club. Um, so I think it's just going to be Mings and Carlos. Um, and then it's up to Tyrone Mings to stay in, stay in the team. I think that's the way it's going to be. I think obviously our fullbacks are going to pick themselves. I think our midfield is probably going to pick itself as well. Although I could see somebody like Jacob Ramsey given a rest against Rent and maybe brought on. Um, or maybe I could you could see somebody like a Sanson come in there or a Diego, a uh, 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 Douglas Louise, and that's why I'm saying our starting eleven. There might be one or two little tweaks from that point of view because they need to get get these guys. They need to get everybody time. And 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 Jacob Ramsey has had a lot of football even over the summer, you know, and and. It hasn't. He hasn't sparked, I suppose, in preseason either. Um, not that there's anything wrong with him, you know, no, no doubts about him or anything like that. But maybe they just give him half an hour at the end of the game or something like that. And then I think everybody's going to be looking to see who they start up front, um, in the front three positions. I'm not even going to hazard a guess. I would obviously. I I think it's time for us to have a conversation about playing, uh, the Bundia, Coutinho, and and Watkins up top. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. If I was tasked with picking the team in the morning, that's what I would pick. And then I would have um, Ings, Bailey uh, to come off the bench and Archer if needed, if we wanted to put two up top. 
um, I would have Archer to come off the bench. But I think the smart money, I think what everybody would like to see is Coutinho and Ings, uh, Coutinho and Buendia start together, see if they can play together and uh, at least get some sort of a view of it. But um, I think we're probably too far into, into preseason to see that uh, on Sunday, on Saturday. So uh, that's really going to be the um, the lottery, I think, is who starts in the front three positions. But it's going to be exciting. And, and whoever starts, whoever Jared starts there, will have people breathing down their necks as well. It's going to be going to be an interesting one. Um, bah, 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 where else are we? Yes, that's right. Um. Mark, Jared also mentioned there will be two more behind closed door um, friendlies to get 90 minutes into our squad. One against Liverpool, I think, and one against Fulham. So that's about, I think the, the Fulham one is the day, is the Sunday after the Bournemouth game, if I'm not mistaken, that they're played Fulham in a friendly after the Bournemouth game. And once again, I think that that is uh, huge to do with uh, trying to ascertain people within the squad and trying to really trying to see. It could even be to allow scouting scouting sessions for other people to come and take a look at players, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know what way it goes these days. Um, or putting video, putting stuff down on tape so that they um that they can uh they they can maybe put themselves in shop windows because the club does need to start chipping players out. It really does. Like there's there's at least three players I think that aren't long for the road at Aston Villa, and uh and the club needs to get that money back from them. Um, it was an interesting piece yesterday as well. You guys might have read that the club have um. It's funny. It's funny this that uh, Bar- Barcelona sell off twenty five years of their TV rights, or twenty five percent of their TV rights for twenty five years, and there's a big hullabaloo about it. Yet all the clubs in England mortgage and take loans out against their their TV uh, rights uh, for two, two and three every two or three years. You know, uh, just because they don't sell a twenty five year right right guarantee or whatever. Um, but it's it's really interesting the way the way certain things are labelled. But uh, whether you agree with what Barcelona are doing or whether you don't, um, that's that's a podcast for a completely different podcast and a completely different day. But Aston Villa leveraged a loan for day to day cash flow against their um their TV revenue. I think for the next two years, which is something a lot of other clubs do, just to keep them liquid and keep them cash rich as opposed to being asset rich, so that you don't have to you know mid season start pumping 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 massive amounts of money like the owners have been doing over the last few last few years it allows the club to stay fluid and and, and by no means doesn't mean the club is in any financial difficulty or anything it's just a smart way of doing things to keep um handy money money at hand should anything be needed during the course of the season um so uh, if any of you guys don't follow um Oh gosh, what's his name? Kieran Maguire, the Price of Football podcast. Um, he's a genius at all this stuff, and I could listen to him all day long. He has a he has a piece on it on Twitter. Go find it. Um, and it's it's a really interesting one as well. Um, all right, guys, I think I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. I know there's a million and one comments in there, guys. I'm so sorry. I think we even have West Ham fans in there as well. Um, I think we even have yeah, Paddy is in the comments, but I think Paddy's supposed to be working, so I don't want to get him fired. I'm sitting at home on paternity leave for the next four weeks, so that's why I can hop on at half past one, uh, free as a bird. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to get Paddy fired by uh, <laughs> by, by dragging him onto a podcast in the middle of when he's supposed to be working, so uh. <laughs> So there is that. Um, right, guys, I think I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, we're on for about 33 minutes. We'll be back again tomorrow, and Paddy will be with us at 10 to 4 um, for the Team Sheet Tantrum. And it's going to be a really interesting one. It's going to be one that's going to get us excited, I think. That's the last one we have before we go full-on balls to the wall into the season for uh, what's going to be a, a really fast first half of the season. Then you're going to have the, the 
Qatar break for the World Cup, and then a second kind of rapid fire um end to the season as well. So it's going to be it's going to be uh full of uh, bluster and, and and trust and bluster, should I say, for for a couple of weeks uh, once the season gets underway. And I wouldn't have it any other way. So thanks very much, everybody, for watching. If you could give this a thumbs up and like it, if you could share it, um, if there's any way of sharing it, that would be really cool. Get us out there, and um, we're we're approaching. Three and a half subscribers, three and a half thousand subscribers on on YouTube. Uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, we're approaching five thousand followers on Twitter as well. They're just cool little kind of um milestones that would be nice uh, nice to reach at some stage during the season. So if you think of anybody out there that might interest uh, this might interest, uh, let us know or let them know, should I say, and get them onto the podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Um, I will have news on Monday or Tuesday about merchandise for one hundred percent. And I keep on to keep on teasing this. I know Vinny, you're in there and you're screaming for it. But uh, Monday or Tuesday, we'll have some. Uh, there will be a post up on it. Um, the lad that I'm getting to do stuff is just on holidays at the moment, so uh, he's agreed to it. But I just want to get any of the proof stuff done, and then uh, any some merchandise maybe coming your way if you guys so wish to to um, help the podcast that way. Um, gonna leave you go. Have a great rest of your Friday. Enjoy it. We'll be back with you tomorrow at ten to four. And until then, everybody, stay safe. And all that's left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.